I am Natan McKenzie, your candidate running for state senate here in the new 12th district of Virginia. I am a recently married man to my beloved wife, Amy, a financial advisor, a business owner, and community advocate. Black Virginia News is sponsored by Virginia Nation Tees. Visit Virginia Nation Tees at Etsy.com. This is episode 16 of the Black Virginia News podcast. Maurice Hawkins and I are going to go over the key Senate races for the state Senate in 2023 in Virginia. This is Lauren. I have at some point in time been 100% accountable to you and have been doing that for the past decade of my life. I'm running for Senate because many of the things, many of the challenges, many of the difficulties... Drive early voting, absentee ballots, and we're not going to be behind on Election Day. These are critical elections for us. This podcast for Black Virginia News. You are listening to the podcast for Black Virginia News, the first and only platform that covers all of Black Virginia. Subscribe to Black Virginia News at blackvirginianews.substack.com. Maurice and I are going to go over the Senate races that we believe are competitive in Virginia this cycle in 2023. Election Day is about 89 days away. Most of this analysis was recorded on July 12 when we did the House races. Uh, Not much has changed since July 12, but we're going to be updating things pretty soon. The races that we think are competitive, just to list them out, are SD4, Trish White Boyd versus David Sudeline. And yeah, I know the party has probably written that off, but we're putting it on the list. SD12, Natan McKenzie, who you heard at the top of this podcast, and Glenn Sturdivant and Amanda Chase, which is the reason we have this on the list. SD16, Skylar Van Valkenburg and Siobhan Donovan. Uh, SD-17, Clint Jenkins versus Emily Brewer. SD-22, Aaron Rouse versus Kevin Adams. Even though we think Aaron Rouse is going to win, we've got a little bit of analysis on that. SD-24, Monty Mason versus Danny Diggs. SD-30, Danica Rome versus Bill Wolf. And SD-31, Sid Perry, who was also some of the sound at the beginning of this podcast, versus Juan Pablo Segura. Just to also uh, mention here, the seats that have no candidate are SD6, Todd Pillion, SD9, Frank Ruff, SD10, John McGuire, which is <laughs> very interesting that John McGuire has no opponent. SD9, by the way, Frank Ruff, that's the Trudy Berry case. There is going to be hearing at the Board of Elections on August 15 where Trudy Berry is going to argue her case. And uh, for those who don't know, she's not on the ballot because the person who sent the, um, you know, her paperwork in sent it to the wrong email address in in a situation that has been fixed before by the Board of Elections. We'll see if they fix it the same way they did before uh, in her case. Um, Democrats who have no opponent are SD14, Lamont Bagby, SD21, Angelina Williams-Graves. She she does sort of have a candidate, but he's frankly not serious. And SD23, Mamie Locke. Uh, you know, I noticed that HD69 has no Democratic candidate. 
Uh, there's a Republican named Chad Green. Uh, this is the Williamsburg area. Mm -hmm. Reason I bring that up first is I want to talk about Monty Mason, who's running against a Republican named Danny Diggs. He's outspending that Republican by about 300,000 right now, but this is expected to be a close Senate race. Mm -hmm. uh, it is ridiculous that the Democrats have no candidate. <laughs> it's just like with the HD 49 situation involving Jasmine Lipscomb. It is ridiculous to have no candidate when you only need three sits, seats to flip the House. But OK, there's no House candidate in there. There is Monty Mason uh, running for the Senate. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now seeing him and I have been seeing Monty at like every event that I go to anywhere near Hampton Roads. So that that is going to be big. Again, it is not expected that the Democrats are going to lose the Senate. It would be it would be a jolt if they did. It would be jolting. Uh, but this is going to be a close Maurice Hawkins is a Democratic political strategist and a veteran of numerous campaigns. He is based in Virginia Beach. Yeah, it's going to be a close race from, from what I'm hearing that uh, uh, Danny Diggs is very, very popular in Republican circles. Um, there are some pockets of strong Republican support in that district that I think may overperform, which could make the race a bit challenging for uh, Monty Mason, but you know, this is an experienced politician. He's been in the General Assembly for several years. You know, he, like you said, he's gonna have superior resources. You know, I think that he's gonna have to be very, very focused on creating the coalition of voters that he's gonna need to win this race. And I think that's the kind of race where, you know, Youngkin's efforts as far as pushing the early voting, you know, and if he can get people to buy into it, could be, you know, a difference maker in, in a race like that. But again, you know, these are all new seats. We don't really know the true political behavior of the electorates in these, in these new districts. But, um, you know, Mason, like I said, he's an experienced politician. You know, he has resources. I mean, there's a lot of people that are going to fight for him. So we'll have to see how it plays out. Indeed. Uh, the next race is on everybody's list as one of the closest uh, races, uh, predicted to be one of the closest, I should say. You have no idea what that's going to be. I mean, today is July 12th, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, in Virginia, we just had the June 20 primary. Nobody has really opened up a campaign style yet. Everybody's sort of taking a minor break here, <laughs> you yeah. know, so we're just going through these very fast. And we, of course, will return with some more detail, but I think it's safe to say that Senate District 31, which is Russett Perry, the Democrat, versus Juan Pablo Segura, who is a billionaire. Well, I should say his father's a billionaire, and he's probably uh, got a lot of money as well. He is outspending her right now by double, but this is a fairly blue area. She's a really good candidate. He's a guy from out of nowhere and that sort of Michael Bloomberg style. I've got a lot of money and I want to run for something. Mm -hmm. And that is what is going on with that race. Uh, frankly, I'm going to predict right now that Russell Perry is going to pull that off. But you know, one of the things you... I know about Russell Perry is that she was definitely getting a lot of establishment energy in the primary. I mean, I mean, she was definitely like like the de facto supporter. And I also think with this year, like you know, her opponent may have a lot of money and fine and dandy. But I think with the choice issue. And I think Virginia really being like the only game in town in 2023. I mean, I know New Jersey will have some elections, but it's really always about Virginia. And I think this whole notion of Virginia being like the last bastion of access to reproductive health in the South, I think is going to bring a lot of national support that's going to help a lot of candidates. And I think uh, Russell Perry will be one of those candidates that benefits from, you know, the national support that's going to come in. Uh, it is clear that choice is going to be a major issue. Uh, the, the decision in Iowa uh, yesterday to 
put in to enact a six-week ban has re reverberated throughout the entire country and i think for voters in virginia do not get seduced with this mythology that the republicans are only going to pursue a 15-week ban because if they have total control of the general assembly it is nothing for them to write a piece of legislation for a six-week ban or something even more draconian you know so i think everybody needs to have their antennas up and I think the, the Perry team, their antennas are already up. And uh, from what I'm hearing, she's a formidable campaigner, you know, smart as a whip. Uh, she had a lot of support. And I think, you know, in a bluer area like that, I think people are going to come out in strong numbers to get her across the finish line. Yeah, and her resume is quite long. You know, when you have yeah. people just sort of come out of nowhere, it's mm -hmm. not that it can't happen that somebody comes out of nowhere and runs with absolutely no connection with mm -hmm. community service. Sure, it can happen. But man it, it is his her her resume is very long right. uh uh senate district 30 is delegate danica rome uh versus republican bill wolf uh you know i'm i saw this on the you know this is always a race too this is manassas mm -hmm. uh you know i see that this is seen as a close race i have a little trouble believing that but <laughs> I, I think Danica Rome is probably going to win, but I, I do mm -hmm. say, you know, I guess they have to have a few on the list that will, okay, let's see if this is going to happen or not. But mm -hmm. I think Danica's done a really good job. I mean, she's just done a really good job at really focusing on type of issues that communities care about, the basic bread and butter. Uh, everyone's aware of that. And so I'd be surprised, particularly as she's like a sitting incumbent in the General Assembly, I'd be really surprised if she didn't pull this off. I think one of the things about Rowan, if you've ever had an opportunity to be in her presence, she has a empathetic style of communication that really wins the room quite swiftly. And, and you know, she's been an adept politician. I mean, she came in, I believe, in 2017 uh, in that, you know, that initial blue wave. And she's one of those uh, blue wavers from 2017 that has been in the, in the General Assembly. And I think those experiences will serve her well. Uh, I agree with you. I think in that Manassas corridor where she has a lot of uh, profile with a lot of voters will serve her well. And I also think um, Rowan is actually a national figure, you know, being you know, right. the first transgendered politician in the Commonwealth of Virginia. You know, she's has championed, you know, a, a lot of issues for that community. You know, she's very, um, she's very passionate about the issues, I'm very knowledgeable about the issues. Uh, I believe she has a journalism background. Um, so she's really adept at synthesizing the issues and making it understandable for the voters. So she's a formidable t political talent and I expect her to, to come out with a win as well. Yeah, exactly. And along those lines, uh, again, on the DLCC list, kind of to my surprise is uh, District 22, which is Aaron Rouse versus Kevin Adams, uh, who he beat in the special, of course, completely different district, District 7, but still, you know, they have it on here. Maybe they have it on here because it's just the history of, wow, there's a Democrat coming out of that area, which, um, you know, we had Kiggins. And I mean, so maybe it's just that. I would expect Aaron to win. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm biased because I like Aaron and I like football and we're <laughs> 20 days. <laughs> right. We're only 20 days from the NFL getting into preseason. So <laughs> Aaron will always have the advantage with me because he played in the NFL and I have no problem being shallow and saying this. It will always be exciting to me. <laughs> so I, I was just surprised that he was on the list. But, but again, um, you know, uh, Kevin Adams was not exactly 
a complete no-show with the special. I mean, they did stuff, they did events and Miara's came down, the governor yeah. came down. So, I mean, it, they weren't totally asleep. So we'll see what happens. The, the one thing that I will say about Senate District 22, you know, and, and I actually live in Senate District 22, so I'll, I will be voting uh, for Senator Rouse in the uh, fall elections, is that it's July and he already has his signs up, the big signs up all <laughs> over district, right? That's number one. Uh, had the opportunity to attend a cookout event that uh, Aaron Rouse's campaign sponsored in conjunction with Mike Fagan's, uh, Alex Askew, who's running in House District uh, 95. He doesn't have an opponent. Also, the venerable Congressman Bobby Scott came to the event, as well as Senator uh, Louise Lucas, you know, our, our battlefield commander uh, for the Senate Democrats uh, this cycle. And when I tell you it was a big crowd out there, uh, when Aaron started speaking, you know, that he had he had a, a roaring applause from the audience. One of the things about Aaron that I always notice is that when you go to these political events, you know, whether it's a fundraiser or, or you know, a, a canvas kickoff or a rally, a mixer, whatever you want to call it, there's always the, the same usual suspects that show up, right? The same politicals, party okay. officials, grassroots organizers, so on and so forth, right? What I noticed about the event that on uh, this past Sunday is that Aaron had a whole cadre of people come out that are not in that matrix of people that I just described. These are ordinary people who ride and die for Aaron Rouse, business leaders, community leaders, you know, mothers and fathers, you know, friends of his. And and, and when you look at Senate District uh, 22, you know, and it is a far more favorable district for Aaron than Senate District 7 was, which he flipped from red to blue, which was like the first time, you know, in a while that we've even had a Democratic senator. Um, I think Rouse brings additional points that you can't account for in that race. And I definitely think Rouse has the ability to have coattails for Fagans. Uh, and the reason why I say that is that 14 out of the 20 districts in House District uh, 97 are, district, are, are precincts that both Aaron and Mike Fagans will share. So I think that if, if you have that coordination between the Fagans campaign and the Rouse campaign, and you know, and with the Rouse factor, you know, really juicing turnout because this is the guy that ran citywide for city council, won, you know, won the special election, you know, and now is you know a sitting senator running in a more democratic friendly seat. He could be the person that could help not only himself but also help the the, the Dems in the House win their majority as well. So pay attention to voter turnout in Senate District 22 on election night. I was another one. I was a little surprised. Maybe DLC is is just trying to be, you know, casting a wide net. <laughs> but yeah. I, you know, and maybe not. I don't know. It's not a district I'm deeply familiar with. But I was a little surprised to see this. Uh, Senate District 16, uh, which is Skylar Van Valkenburg versus Siobhan Dunavant. That probably is because Siobhan Dunavant, the Republican, is of course an incumbent senator. She is not a Amanda Chase style candidate you know, MAGA Republican, uh, she is a doctor. And so maybe I think maybe the Democrats, uh, DLCC are thinking, well, wait a minute, you know, th this could be close, but Skylar Van Valkenburg is a, 
a member of the House of Delegates and a high school teacher and a very good candidate. So, um, yeah. so you know, again, uh, I'm not, I got to look at the lines. And as we go forward toward November, we'll get more detailed about this, but maybe the lines are closer than I thought they were. I, I would expect that this would be more competitive, certainly than Aaron Rouse's race, mm -hmm. uh, because Siobhan Donovan is, is a formidable candidate, no doubt about it. And there's nothing about her that a, a voter, I think that an average voter is going to say, well, I'm just going to never vote for this person. She's a, what I would call a sort of a, a throwback, more traditional Republican. Uh, and, and the ones that, you know, these Republicans that are coming up now in the more Ron DeSantis style, I think drive away a lot of these moderate suburban housewife types. And I don't think Siobhan Donovan necessarily does that. So maybe this will be a closer race than I thought. Well, she may stylistically she may not do that, but her policies absolutely do that. I mean, uh, her one of her bills, uh, which was an anti-choice bill that was killed by the uh, the blue wall, the brick wall that uh, Senator Lucas, you know, affinitely speaks about constantly. Uh, she, her one of her bills was one that was killed, and I actually believe that she didn't even show up for the the Senate committee hearing when they killed the bill. So, I mean, they're going to definitely put her anti-choice record up there uh, on Front Street for people to know about. And again, another one of these suburban areas, you know, you, you know, you want to see how the suburban women of Virginia are going to react to this draconian lurch to really, you know, you know, taking their rights away, you know, turning black the clock. You know, I mean, you know, you know, I, I know I sound like a broken record when I say this, but, you know, choice is on the ballot. And I think people need to stop looking at this issue as about, oh, we're trying to save the babies, which is Republican rhetoric and start looking at it from the standpoint. This is an assault on freedom, right? The freedom of people to make their own decisions for their own bodies. And I think the Democrats are going to make this front and central. It was front and central in 2022. That's why they protected their majority in the Senate and they had and were narrowly defeated in the House. And I think they're going to re replicate that recipe in 2023. And, and I think that the Von Balkenberg Donovan race will be front and center and seeing how that message messaging works uh, with someone that really wants to fancy themselves as a reasonable, pragmatic politician, even though they have supported some some really right wing draconian policies in the past. Follow Black Virginia News on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Black Virginia News and on TikTok and Twitter at Black Virginia News. Send comments and tips to blackvirginianews at gmail.com. Yeah, I think though for a lot of voters, the style of what someone projects is sometimes eclipsing what one offers as legislation. I mean, I think most people are not, uh, you know, political geeks like us. They look yeah. at somebody like the Glenn Youngkins or uh, Siobhan Donovan. They don't necessarily know the details of, of, of the record of that person. They know, well, wait a minute, this guy, person's a gynecologist. This mm -hmm. guy is a businessman. He looks reasonable. He sounds reasonable. That's mm -hmm. what I think about 80% of the voters are doing. Right. Now, that 20% that's out there that gets involved in primaries, it's very, uh, you know, very involved in politics and paying more attention certainly is going to notice some of the more extreme factors of one's record. But I think what makes Siobhan Donovan a more dangerous Republican than, say, 
someone like an Amanda Chase is that every time you looked up with Amanda Chase, it was always something like, oh, look at that. She's at the Capitol as it's getting attacked mm -hmm. or, you know, some sort of dramatic thing that has, you know, so that Marjorie Taylor Greene style politician, it's always mm -hmm. in the paper for things that are not necessarily related to potholes and getting the trash out on time, which I know are, right. are, are not things that generally um, um, uh, the, these MAGA Republicans focus on. They focus on the the, the culture of, wars the culture wars and i yeah. think a lot of people are not as focused on the culture wars as they may think yeah. and so we'll see you know i think it'll be a relatively close race anytime you have an incumbent mm -hmm. anytime you have an incumbent sitting there involved i think you're going to get a closer race than, you, than one might guess well i think one, i think one of the things like we mentioned it with uh you know, Danica Rowan and the race she's running and, and you know, with uh, Skylar and Valkenberg and the race he's running is that they're running for Senate, but these folks are experienced politicians, right? They have ran and won races in the past. They understand message discipline. They understand the fundraising. They understand the rigors of running a race. And I think when you're running against a candidate that has, you know, political experience, not maybe a first time candidate, but they have legit political experience, they become formidable opponents. And I think in those two races right there, those are two races you want to pay attention to because of the political acumen both uh, Rowan and Von Valkenberg have against their opposition. Okay, well, we're going to be back pretty soon with, um, you know, some more detail, probably in about a month on these races. And probably will add a few races. What happens, of course, as we get closer to November and really the official kickoff of the campaign season is really considered Labor Day with the Bobby Scott picnic. But we understand that, you know, you can see the proliferation of events on the calendar as we move, you know, into August. And uh, it is going to be a very exciting time in Virginia. It always is. Every year we have elections in Virginia. And uh, this particular uh, year is extremely exciting and historic. We have a historic number of women on the ballot. We have a historic number of African-Americans on the ballot. We will have a historic number of African-Americans serving in the Virginia General Assembly in 2024. And we will have a historic number of African-Americans serving in the Virginia Senate specifically in 2024. At minimum seven, I would predict. And there's a possibility there's a possibility of nine or 10. <laughs> we will go over that as we as we go forward, which I don't know that anyone's noticed that, but I'm about to post something on that because it is something that has never happened in the history of the Commonwealth of Virginia. So with that, Maurice, uh, I have some barbecue to attend to outside. What's <laughs> barbecue? And uh, I'll see you soon. Okay, so that's episode 16. We did a very quick rundown of the Senate races that we think are key. And yes, we will be returning and talking in detail about Nathan McKenzie's race against Glenn Sturdivant and uh, Trish White Boyd, uh, who is running against David Suterline, among, among some others. So uh, that was recorded on July 12th. We are going to be back very soon with a bunch of stuff. Uh, this is Lauren Burke. This is episode 16 of the Black Virginia News podcast. Support for Black Virginia News comes from our subscribers, and we really appreciate your support. Subscribe to Black Virginia News at blackvirginianews.substack.com
the podcast for Black Virginia News is a product of Wynn Digital Media and is produced by the team at WDM LLC. 